how would the granny know and me not know? This is why we need to explore this situation. <laughs> I'm, I'm exploring it with you because you know it all and my car I don't know work. it all. I told you I don't know the back end. I don't know the okay. weeds of like where the thresholds Look, are and all those things. But I we'll just, get into that later. I just want you to know that even though my card won't tap to pay, I am still the editor of the biggest tech magazine in the country. So don't look at me funny. Because my card won't tap. <laughs> My card went because I've been blacklisted in the credits. And there's little old me who just has flawless, <laughs> nearly flawless um, experience he's with paying, Samsung he's Pay. Watch, he's paying with his phone. Yeah, okay. yeah, paying with everything. Even my fingerprints work on everything where tech journals of South Africa are like, oh no, this is horrible because the fingerprint sensor is so slow. And it's like, uh -huh. dude, you just haven't been fingerprinted. You're not doing it right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. a great way to segue into the 72nd episode of the Overclock podcast. Overclock ZA, as it is said, that's how you will write it in. No spaces, no underscores, all the vowels. And I'm, Joy, I'm Lindsay Shooters, Sharpshooters on social media, S H A R P S C H U T T E R S. And I'm joined as always by my good friend Gavin Dudley, who has already introduced himself as the editor of the largest consumer technology publication on South African shelves, Tech Magazine. Gavin, how are you doing? That's correct. I'm <laughs> doing great, thanks. I'd be happier if my card would tap to pay. <laughs> Gavin, positively, um, positively uh, Neanderthal. Mm -hmm. ah. <laughs> okay. But Gavin, uh, I have a bee in my bonnet. Because I am on deadline for you for a story which requires me to obtain a voice file from a different device that <laughs> was not didn't have my SIM card in. So the power went off, load shedding last night 608, power goes back on. So my router starts messing around, like it doesn't give the Wi-Fi signal anymore. So you like have to unplug everything, leave it for like five minutes, plug everything back in. Like this is how my last Asus router also died. Um, it's just, mm. I don't know what it is. It's just the load shedding that just really causes crap. Mm. Uh, so I think it's that. And then suddenly I realized that the exchange never went back online with ADSL, or at least with internet. But um, you think the power because, went back of, because of power? Yeah. Uh, okay. Because it was after the, the load shedding where the whole entire neighborhood is just... Well, we had, we had our first computer blow up in the office oh, wow. yesterday from power going on and off and generators coming yeah. on and off. And eventually, obviously, some little component in this iMac just couldn't yeah. take it anymore puff puff of smoke you know wow. burning smell That's dead incredible. computer yeah so I mean it's quite possible load shedding's having this effect across the board yeah. I would think the electronics you know, I mean, don't like I mean, um, fridges hate being turned on and yeah. off yeah you know oh, so so I, I I dig the new CEO director he's, he's a straight shooter um, uh -huh. he's come in with a lot of hard calls there's a lot of good things happening at Eskom right now but they stole the blatant or at least the lies by omission to the public so. I think that's a bit strong. I think that's a bit strong. Okay, the man is having to trade carefully, play it carefully. I think he's playing it the best he can. In case you don't know who we're talking about, Mr. Dorator, is it Andre? Andre Dorator is the incoming CEO of ESCOM. Who the hell takes on a job like this unless you've got balls of steel and deep commitment and passion in your heart and stuff? Because... I mean, this is just the worst conceivable gig is to try and fix ESCOM. This man's taking it on and I think he's making all the right sounds, all the right moves so far. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anyway, let's jump into the meat of it. Can, can I just say, when you when you brought up this... Oh, sorry, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry, I'll, I'll get back to... I'll circle <laughs> back to, to my issue later. So, in 2017, if you cast your minds back, there was a strike by ESCOM workers. So, they're running on skeleton staff at all the power generation facilities. So at Kendall, um, with the coal power stations, you need to clear the flues of like ash buildup and 
whatever, all the nasty stuff that comes out of after you burn the coal because there's electrostatic buildup that can ignite and cause major problems. So because they didn't have enough staff, they weren't doing it on the regular schedule and the worst case scenario happened at Kendall, there was a bit of an ignition and this took down a couple of the units which they have subsequently restored but along with taking down the units it took out all the scrubbers that clean the emissions um, to bring it in, in line with what it's supposed to be. Then the Green Scorpions um, pinged them in 2018 for emissions and gave them a deadline of November 2019 which they then extended to the 31st of January 2020. A deadline which they were always going to miss and by missing the deadlines they couldn't fire up units 1 and 5 on these power stations. So, so and this just syncs up nicely with the current losses on the, on the grid which we now have to make up through load shedding. In case you didn't pick up what's going on there, the green scorpions are the people who come and check that you're not pumping crap into the atmosphere beyond what you're allowed to. And if you commit to lowering your emissions and you don't make the commitment, then the green scorpions come to check you out. And that's really what was going on. For my money, old Dorita, I think, has been about board and going, look, there's going to be load shedding, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a lot of it. Don't, let's not pretend there ain't going to be load shedding. There's so much to fix. I don't know how we're going to fix it. I'm doing my best. There's going to be load shedding, lots of it. Just brace. You know, so in 2018, brace. when all of this went down and the Green Scorpions pinged ESCOM, uh, government also signed into law the Air Quality Act, which comes into effect on the 1st of April oh. 2020. <laughs> so please expect more load shedding because there is no way that ESCOM will be able to reach the 50 milligrams per square per, per cubic meter uh, on all of across all of their power stations by this deadline. They're actually trying to petition government to move out the, the act going to effect uh, by a couple of months. But the data is on record saying that it will cost something stupid like uh, I think it's like billions, two billion, yeah, billions. billions of rands to, to become compliant. We'll only be in a position to be compliant by 2022 to then only meet those emission targets by 2025. So I mean, it's it's a long, hard road. Yeah, I'm sure. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm sure Greta Thunberg and Pels are freaking out about things like this. But if you look at it from the perspective of Dorita and Praveen Gordon, the minister, they're going, we need to keep the country switched on. We yes. can't switch the country off while we try and target emissions things. We've got to keep everything on. So I, I think I have to accept that the emissions thing has become like a... You know, a distant, <laughs> a distant dream. You know, for everybody, and and rightly so. We won't care about emissions when we're all on the street with begging bowls, and the country gets plunged into you know, numerous recessions. We better just keep the lights on first, I reckon, and fix the environmental that, issues. That, that's a hot. No, hot, it is. Hot, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being I'm being a bit uh, blunt <laughs> as an instrument there, but you understand what I'm trying to say. All right. Uh, moving on. Yeah. During all of this, uh, the minister of Minerals and Energy, Gwede Man Mantashe. Mm. Yes, correct. I don't know why my brain just had a fart in it. He's come out and he's wanting to set up the framework so that we can A, allow the mines to generate their own electricity and then B, set up a second power utility which will be completely privately owned if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which is what should have probably happened about 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, this is all well and good, but this is going to take three, four, five years before any of the fruits of this stuff actually are felt. They will have to fix ESCOM significantly by then or else we'll have no country. Yeah, so but what I like about it is setting up a, a, in the, another power producer, which 
would be privately funded will then fast track all of the development that ESCOM still needs to do to bring all the IPPs online mm. to modify the grid that can accept um, the IPP input as well mm. and then setting up their own their own like wind farms and all those things. So I mean the way Lindsay explained it to me is that if they build up a second ESCOM they can build it up as a modern power utility that doesn't have any of the baggage that ESCOM has today. They're not maintaining ancient infrastructure they can be fast efficient all sorts of things that mod that old ESCOM can't be and in that way they could become a significant player very quickly just because they're not carrying the baggage of ESCOM. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I like a lot of the calls that have come out now, like the calls are being made. Also, uh, the Department of Energy put out a inquiry for interest in the pebble bed modular reactor technology, which means we could probably see, if we do get investment, if we do get international interest, we'll probably see a proof of concept being built within the next two years and then a mm. the first units coming online within the next five five to six maybe ten years maximum. Mm. Pebble beds are kind of nuclear power that wasn't invented by South Africa but South Africa did a lot of development around the pebble bed reactors. They're considered to be quite safe. They, they're not like mega power stations. They, they work better as small localized yeah. power stations but they can be super efficient and we already own a lot of the intellectual property around modern pebble bed reactors. So so nuclear is back on the table. Personally, I've always been a fan of nuclear power. There, I said it. Um, I'd be interested to see what we can do with that. Again, it would be a homegrown solution, which also suits me. Mm. Yeah, cool. Moving on, Gavin, sell C defaults on a 2.7 billion uh, rand loan. Um, can, can I just throw in one item that, that didn't quite come up in our news bulletin? And this is just a, a single feel-good statement. Um, we've all been suffering with internet for the past two to three weeks with cable breaks that were yeah. caused by sort of seismic shifts in the ocean, caused cable breaks, and it actually put paid to our two biggest internet connection cables that connect us to the rest of the world. And as a result, we had like endless internet problems around the country, and they've been trying to fix that. They've been rerouting through other working cables and so on. But the main thing is they need to fix these two cables. It took a long time for them to send the cable repair ship out. Eventually, it went out, but now it's significantly ahead of schedule. So even though right now we are using internet connectivity through unconventional channels, um, they're two to three days ahead of repairs on the two big cables they need to fix. So I'm just oh, nice. a feel good thing. Hopefully, within couple of days we'll have our connectivity fully restored. On Cell C, Gavin, you've, you've right. been following this quite closely. They've defaulted on their loan. They turned away <laughs> the merger deals. Oh, oh gosh. What is going on in Cell C? <laughs> no, there's, there's not a lot to say, but a person really does worry, you know. I mean, it's, it's great evidence again that if you're going to license mobile telephony to a sector, you've got to license multiple operators simultaneously. I think Alison Gilwald was one of the foremost thinkers on telecommunications in Africa said that in order to have a decent telecom sector you need five players you license them simultaneously so that they all compete directly with each other there's no collusion you need a minimum of five players two to three players can still have collusion yeah. so what happened here was Celsi just started so far behind the curve and had to fight to get into the market and it never got to the kind of scale that Vodacom and MTN got to, who had snapped up all the early customers and all the most, the most wealthy customers. So, Celsius has just struggled to, to achieve that kind of status, to get that kind of market scale, to get the deals with the phones and the network. And um, now it's all coming home to roost. I don't think it was dreadfully mismanaged. I think they just struggled to compete with the two much bigger They did rivals. spend 
a lot on marketing because such is the not Craig way to just yeah. throw marketing yeah, but, money but at the But they problem. did actually have to because they actually had to attract a lot of low spending customers, which is like a difficult way to survive, you know. I mean, I don't think, for example, that Investec is going to take out you know, a contract for 3,000 yeah. phones with Sol C, they're going to do it with MTN and Vodacom. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. So, Gavin, that's the money another is. thing. Mm. So, I'm back on the LG G7 thank you oh. because it has the quad deck on the, it has the best headphone jack yes, in the game. Yes, yes, yes. Best mics probably on a phone, best mm -hmm. external, like, speaker, internal speaker, like, in the game with that boombox mode and you put it down. So, so why aren't you looking happier? I, uh, the, the camera quality is oh. not good. We've, we've advanced such a lot in camera uh -huh. quality now. That, Over the that, two years since it came out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then next week is S20 week. So the next time of years mm. we'll probably be fresh from the S20 Samsung launch. Yeah, uh, sure. Thing up, happening up in Joburg. That is going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. Must say the build up for the Samsung S20. I mean, you know, I try to not get excited about every new phone launch. But I feel as though Samsung really has got its mojo in full swing. Yeah. So I'm expecting great things from so the phone. So there have been leaks, obviously. Um, the ice. The, the App Store, the Apple App Store mm. actually was the source of one leak. They have put up the Galaxy Buds Plus app Ooh. already. So there's new Galaxy Buds going into yeah, the wild. Which brings okay. me to my point. Uh -huh. So during the load shedding, I rely on radio to be my breaking news source. Outside of that, I don't listen to a lot of other, I don't consume a lot of other media outside of like podcasts and deep in analysis like mm. on various issues facing the country but for me to check the news agenda I listen to the radio mm, yes so when there's no power there is no radio and I was like and I looked on my phone and lo and behold there is an actual FM radio app on this phone so okay. you just plug in a pair of headphones this is on the G7 yeah, yeah. Mm. into the aux into the aux uh, input the headphone jack and it completes the circuit of the antenna and then you have FM radio yeah. So can, I, can it, I just say it's yeah. irritating to me that you have to plug in the headphones for the radio. Why, Why? can't the phone just receive? Because FM? it needs. A I know it's creating an antenna, yes. but you know. But <laughs> once you plug the headphones in, now you have to listen to the headphones. You but can't just play it as a radio. But the point is, it reminded me of simpler times because now the S20 is probably going to launch without the headphone jack, and mm -hmm. they're bringing in these new Galaxy Buds Plus yes, to make okay. it all amazing. Mm -hmm. And now there's a whole lot of radio stations who have now swapped over to like a download, download my app. Yeah, and yeah So yeah. it's like a crappy app, so you yes. can listen to crappy radio. Yes. And if you want to listen to like three different radio stations, <laughs> as you do, you got to download three different apps. And I, I still believe this is a user-hostile situation, mm -hmm. more so than what the EU is claiming mm. that Apple is doing by creating so much waste with the lightning port. Mm. EU is trying to force Apple to get rid of the lightning port mm. to go to USB Type-C. Mm. But then again, my question is, are you doing, are you enforcing the same laws on the Chinese, majority Chinese manufacturers bringing in low-end devices with micro-USB? Yeah, but you're all over the place here. One minute ago you were with FM I radio and now you're with the lightning jack. It all well, comes uh, down uh, to, is technology advanced? Advancing for the sake of advancing hmm. and who is are the consumers winning I don't think so I don't think Tricky. losing headphone jacks have be winning at all yeah to be honest I can't remember when last the consumers won the one area where consumers have made little inroads towards winning is in gaming they the primary system for measuring how successful a game is, a video game now, is called Metacritic, where user score carries huge weight. So yeah. people en masse will rate games and that will determine an aggregate score using a complicated system. But that's the only place I'm aware of where users actually make an impact on anything, I swear. Uh -huh. well, should we have 
this and that in this phone, well, let's just do whatever the hell we feel like. Yes, you know? yeah, this is what the technology well, can empower Steve, right now. Steve Jobs, that irritating motherfucker, that irritating wow, motherfucker, whoa, whoa, famously Two said, F-bombs. famously said, um, well, the consumers don't know what they want. We're going to put this in there and then explain to them that this is what they want. Well, he didn't say it in quite those words, but that's pretty much Talking how it went about down. what consumers want, mm. Kevin, you have an interesting little note in here that 200 million tap-to-pay transactions happen in the UK every day. Yes, okay, so this is sort of, I thought we'd put this in our how-to segment, just because I can't do it, and you can explain <laughs> to me how to do it. Um, no, tap-to-pay, I mean, Lindsay and I have been discussing tap-to-pay for a while. Um... I'm like not convinced on how especially useful this really is, because um, in most instances, once you've tapped the card, you still have to put in numbers and things, and you know. But it is interesting at 200 million tap-to-pay transactions in the UK. There are buskers in the subway playing their guitars. And instead of like a hat on the ground, they've got like a little touch to pay terminal, yeah. so you can like tap on there I, with I wonder, your card wonder, and give I them 20 bucks. If you know? That includes Oyster card transactions when hmm. taking transit. I, I think it does, because that 200 million does seem a little bit high if you're just looking at oh, the population. Oh, I see what you're UK. saying, right. Okay, so if you're using public transport, you're probably tapping with your Oyster card. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, so okay, you're probably like, tapping a couple of times. Yeah, my city bus, and all those things. So those it might, just might be pure retail, might not be pure retail, yeah. Hopefully those systems will migrate into a single unified app. Mm-hmm. I know South African, South Africa has been trying to put that sort of thing together for a while, especially in Cape Town. Mm. They've tried to unify Metrorail and my city bus infrastructure network to have okay. a unified That's a complex card issue. Unified. It's a yeah. complex issue we can take on but sometime. Just moving okay. on to, to bank transactions. So I'm all in. Like I, I have been embarrassed so many times. <laughs> where I just take my phone and I just completely forget my wallet in the uh-huh. car. Okay. Because I have the magic of Samsung phone uh-huh. on my Galaxy S10, right. I'm, I'm supposed to be fine. And then you like reach a place where there's only card or at least only like yeah, old-fashioned terminals yeah. or, or just cash. Cash or something. Okay. You just want to buy your kid ice cream uh-huh. at like <laughs> got no five bucks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so which, which, which is an interesting thing. So yeah, tap to pay. What happens is um, your bank has an agreement with various vendors like Samsung Pay or Garmin Pay or or Fitbit Pay or Yoko, yeah. yeah. So those systems can then access the bank network and access your profile via when you've signed into everything and obtain things called tokens. Tokens is like guarantee checks that say, yes, he has this much money, Gavin has this much money in his bank account, and these are how many tokens we'll allow him to mm-hmm. use for this day before it has to reset, mm-hmm. and you either have to put in a pin or some other identifying. Mm-hmm. And then, like, through that, you'll, you'll tap for, like, your coffee, and you'll tap for something, and mm-hmm. those tokens will get used up systematically. Okay. So that relies on a lot of trust that's built into the system. So by trust, I mean the encryption on the network that you are using, the encryption on your device. So I'm just referring to the way Samsung Play works now. So Samsung obviously has the NOC system that is built like from the ground up in, onto the chip level, which is quite secure. No one can access your information uh, through that. So you, through your, you authenticate these payments through your fingerprint or through your device pin, which is the same then with your bank cards. So when it comes to Fitbit Pay and Garmin Pay, the, the watch is connected to your phone. So it assumes that it is in a trust loop. Mm. And so okay. you have authenticated everything. Yeah, I'm not so, so, so here's how Lindsay explained it to me, okay? So Standard Bank 
can give you a card that has an FNB, uh, FNB chip, <laughs> NFC chip, <laughs> NFC chip. Wow. Freudian slip. completely confused the listeners. Okay, <laughs> let's say, let's start this again. Absa Bank gives me a card. It has an, F- <laughs> an, an NFC chip in it. That's the little little brass tokeny thing you see there. Okay, and um, I take that card. I touch it on the point of sale terminal at the spur or yeah. at the Vida or at the pick and pay. And as long as my transaction is below a threshold of usually about 500 bucks, the transaction just goes yes. through. So I touch the card on the machine, transaction goes through. Now, what Lindsay does is he uses Samsung Pay. What Samsung does is it clones the card. So it takes into its memory a copy of exactly what's going on on your card. So now the phone stands in place of the card and Samsung yeah. Pay is the app that does that for you. So now when you go to the Vida, you go to the pick and pay, instead of touching your card on the machine, you touch your phone on the machine because the phone now replaces the card. And that's what, Sam, that's what Samsung Pay does for you. That's what Apple Pay does for you. That's what Garmin Pay for you. Apple Pay is not available here yet. Yes. Still, I don't know what the, the deal is there. Um, the that is thing. how they work. The, these apps really just stand in place of your bank card. So mm. three years ago, I had a lovely meeting with the head honchos of Mascot South Africa mm-hmm. and they were telling me that they going fully they were fully investing into in or QR so code. MasterCard. Yeah, MasterCard. So the MasterPass app is something that actually allowed me to move away from my Samsung on occasion ooh, ooh. Um, using the MasterPass app because it scans both Zapper and Snapscan mm-hmm. as well as um, the MasterCard. So there's MasterCard apps for all the MasterCard vendors in South Africa. So there's a Absa one, there's a Capitec one, there's a standard. So Bank everybody one. who will support MasterCard, yeah. this app will work. Yeah. yeah. So there is an app. You can get the bank-specific mm-hmm. app as well. Um, and then what happens is you scan to pay, and then you actually have to put in your card pin so it can complete the transaction. So it has already established that you are you, and then it has a direct connection to MasterCard, your MasterCard vendor, and then you just have to authorize using your, your card pin, which is right. an amazing way. So so now I go up to the terminal with my MasterCard. My yeah, Master and Pass it will app. have the, the MasterPass yes. um, QR code display. I tap with the phone. No, you don't tap with the phone. You just scan. You open the app. You oh, scan. you're scanning the, the QR you code, scan right? The QR yeah, okay. code. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so in India, there is a big rollout on those. So like on the sides of the tuk-tuks, they, or at least the auto rickshaws, as they are called <laughs> in that side of the world. <laughs> Um, they, are, they are MasterPass um, codes on the side. Uh, I don't know what the cost implications are for the vendor side because I know carrying a point of sale terminal, like the usual card machine, mm. is quite pricey for the vendor. Yes. Um, Snapscan was a little bit cheaper, but it is still pricey on okay. when it's like below like 20 so, or something so, like that. So Snapscan is the kind of thing you encounter at like markets, farmers yeah. markets, places like that, where they might not have connectivity because they're in the middle of a playing field or something yeah. like that. Then they offer you the barcode to scan. Yeah. So that's been quite popular there. And I think we've seen the barcode as well with parking attendance. Yes. The, the barcode you can scan to pay your parking, especially in town and so yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 all it's all interesting investment. I'm I'm not innovations. I'm not I'm not afraid with exactly how the back end works. Nor um, do our listeners <laughs> really want to know. <laughs> they just want to know if their card will work. But as far so, as I know, it is a more secure because there's less opportunities to clone like your magnetic strip, mm-hmm. like when you're using a swipe. Oh machine. yeah, every time you hand over your card or put it in a yeah. machine, there's a chance it's going to go. Yeah, and then you are obviously you handling your, your yes, card so, or your device yeah. all the time. So there's not an opportunity mm. for someone to like grab it and run off with it mm. um, and, and I, I, I enjoy that I think it's an inherently secure system 
Yeah, so, there's low risk. So the thing that, that gets me a little bit is uh, that as soon as you move over a threshold of 500 Rand, often you have to put your pin in. Then you yes. really save no time and effort at all, frankly. Because now you've tapped your... with the card, and now you have to put the pin in. So all you've done is instead of slide the card into the machine, you've tapped it on top of the machine. The savings of maybe a fraction of a second. <laughs> okay, So you still have to put the pin in. But that's neither here nor there. Here's the thing. If you don't even know what tap to pay is, and if you, you really don't even understand what we're talking about, next time you're standing in the checkout at the pick and pay or the supermarket, just watch how people are paying for their groceries yeah. and see how many people are not sliding their card into the machine. They're taking their card and pressing it onto the machine. Okay. And by the way, for those who don't know, you don't even technically have to press your card onto the machine. You just have to bring it close by. Yeah. Okay. NFC, it just depends on like how far, yeah, what's in between your card and All right. So I've, I've been amazed at the kind of people I've seen using tap to pay I've seen kids using tap to pay I've seen grannies using tap to yeah. pay I've seen poor people using tap to pay So there you go. It's, it's more convenient, I dig it. Yeah, cool. Kevin, what's happening on your side? Uh, not a whole lot to report, let me think. Right, so we have a big uh, pop culture event coming up in Cape Town later this year called Comic-Con. You've probably heard me talk about Comic-Con before. If you don't know what Comic-Con is, you should get your head out from under that rock. What are you going to dress up as this year? I'm determined to go as a NASA astronaut, but I'm going to go as like one from the 60s where they were basically just wearing a jumpsuit with yeah. a hose stuck in the back. Okay, so I'm going to try and go as a... I, I just got a thing about jumpsuits, then I'm going to add like... Because you went cool as a teenager last year. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, those were my teenage team members I sent in disguise. No, um, Comic-Con is probably the single biggest digital tech cool hip pop culture event on the calendar it's enormous and this year they're having an event in Cape Town we will be one of the media partners which means I have to try and produce an especially hip and cool comic culture kind of edition for my next edition of the magazine but I will fill you in some more about that as it develops one of the clues is we're going to show you how to build a podcast studio I'm hoping Lindsay will give me some guidance on top of the story I already have planned. You can see my guidance right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also hoping to run a comic strip in the magazine just for that special one of edition, hopefully a good story. We did that once or twice before and it was very well received. So that's my plan for the next few weeks. Cool. Uh, on my side, uh, thatopinionguy.co.za is the website. Um, that Opinion Guy on various social medias as well, Instagram and Facebook. You will soon be able to win a Samsung Galaxy A51 device <laughs> just by subscribing to my YouTube channel and doing those things. When I put the review up later this week, probably okay, I must Friday. remember to unsubscribe and resubscribe <laughs> in order to qualify. <laughs> I'm just trying to boost the numbers, Gavin. Give the people what they want. It's a good call. It's a good call. Which is good. It's a fair call. range devices. Yeah. A lot of testing going on. We should talk about those A51s and 71s. Next, maybe next week we'll talk about it. In lieu of the S20, I think it will be overshadowed a little bit. Uh, sure. The A70 was one of my favorite phones of last year, if not my favorite phone. Samsung's A70, and they've just replaced it with the A71. It's a story for a different time. Listen. Follow me on Twitter. Come on, give me some love, okay? I just opted out of Twitter. I joined Twitter in 2006, and I've just left it since then. I just can't bear the noise of social media. But for various reasons, I've had to rejoin Twitter in 2020. So visit me at, at Gavin underscore Dudley, and give me some love, and encourage me to tweet some more, and maybe I'll, I'll up my tweet game. And okay. I'm Sharpshooters, and that's it for this week. Cheers.